live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Hey, Parent Nation. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How you doing? Oh, doing good. Doing good. That's awesome. Yes. I'm excited about our show today. It's a good show. Good show. It is a good show. It's a good, it's a really good show. It's <laughs> a really, a, really good show. Really good show. Do you know why I'm actually extra excited about it is because this morning, um, like right after my kids left for school, the UPS guy showed up uh-huh. with um, with a package. Yes. Well, and, hey. Yeah. I like our UPS guy. My kids <laughs> and his to, package. Yeah, and his package. <laughs> my kids used to call him the brown man because yeah. they wear brown uniforms and they drive a brown truck. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be careful with that, honey. But anyway, he's <laughs> the, brown. <laughs> the brown man. Yeah. So anyway, but anywho, he brought, um, he brought a brand new game Ooh. from my favorite toy creator, Think Fun. Yes. Yes. Called, called Codemaster. Uh-huh. And it's got an image on the front of it of a guy made out of blocks. Uh-huh. Not going to go. like into- a Lego guy, maybe. Looks kind of like a Lego guy, or those of you with children know what I'm referring to, right? Minecraft. Yeah, (laughs) but it's cool. I'm really excited about it, and I'm glad that he brought it after my kids left for school, because now I can hide it and give it to them for Christmas. There you go. There you go. I'm so excited. I was kind of thinking, I have my window open, because I was kind of thinking mine may come during the show. Aww. So if it does, and I have to run... Then that's why. That's why. <laughs> that's what it is. You're going to be excited when you get it. So, yeah. But I'm really excited because we're going to be talking to um, Mark Engelberg, who is the creator of this amazing game. And he's going to be telling us all about it and how freaking awesome it is. And uh, and then in the, in the third segment, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking to Dr. Lori Holman about a book that I have not been able to put down since <laughs> I got it called Unlocking Parental Intelligence. Right. Finding the meaning in your child's behavior. And boy, do we have some topics for discussion for her. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about it right now, but when we get uh when we got Dr. Holman on here, we're going to be bending her ear quite a bit because <laughs> I got some things I need to understand mm-hmm. about, about children's behaviors recently and, uh, and, and our perceptions of them as adults and, and where we should draw lines. I should stop being cryptic. I'm being very <laughs> Facebooky. I'm being very Facebook cryptic right now, and I don't like myself. Oh, <laughs> don't you hate those people who put them cryptic messages on Facebook? <laughs> yes. And, and it's like, oh, stop it. 
just write it out. You know, don't even hide the person's identity because you clearly are pissed at them. <laughs> so just write it out. And then if you regret it, then erase it later. You can always hit delete. <laughs> you know what you can't delete? You can't delete the level of irritation I'm feeling towards you right now. <laughs> talking in code, in emotional drama code, and I don't like it. I think we could win wars, kind of like the, the Indians like spoke mm, the, their own language that, and then like the Pennsylvania Dutch. Right. Right. I think that today we could win wars by talking in um, cryptic drama code. There you go. I think it's a, it's a Facebook war winner. <laughs> I like it. So anywho. Oh, Kelly. Yes. I want to I shout out. I took my, I took my survey. Okay. I took my TogiNet survey. Okay. And um, so, but I want all of our listeners, because you're all listening now. You've gotten yes. this far. So here's the deal. TogiNet wants to get bigger and bring you better stuff. And my radio show, I want to get bigger and bring you even better stuff. I know I bring you awesome stuff now, but I want to be able to do even more awesomer stuff. And the way we do that is by bringing on amazing sponsors. And the way we do that is by showing them how cool we are and how much you love us. So what we need you to do as radio hosts is go to the TogiNet page and click on the Take Our Survey button. And it's a super simple survey. You know, if you click on the thing where it says, what shows do you listen to? If you click on Parent Nation, scroll down and click on Parent Nation, you're only going to have to fill out like a couple questions about the right. show and how amazing we are. And then we send that out and then we get great big sponsors who help us finance the cool stuff that we want to do. Right. And it's all anonymous. You don't have to give us your email or your name or anything like that. Right. We don't even we want to know who you are. Yeah. We won't put you on a list. <laughs> really? We won't. Cause yeah, it's, it's just, so just do it. Just do it. Parent nation. And, and help us get our message out there in a bigger, bolder way, and that'll be fun. So anyhow, I know you've been watching my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't? I, right? I've been putting some cool stuff up there because I love to laugh. I think <laughs> yes. Parenting, right? I think parenting needs to be fun. That baby laughing in his sleep is just completely awesome. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, right, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's then there's all the stuff going on in schools today. Yes. And here's the thing. So the latest video, I posted a video back in the beginning of October about a, a 14-year-old boy who was choked out by a police officer after a fight in the cafeteria. He was involved in a in a it wasn't even a physical fight. It was like a scuffle in the cafeteria. And the the kid was asked to go to a different part of the building, which he did. He complied with the police officers, went with them, answered all of their questions. And then he said, is there anything else that you need from me? And the cop didn't answer him. So he bent down to pick up his book bag. And in the process, I guess he bumped into the police officer. Mm. And then when he put his book bag over his shoulder, the cop choked him out, threw him on the ground and put handcuffs on him. Okay, so I put that up and I'm like, this to me is an abuse of force. The kid did everything that he was supposed to do. Um, And when he was asked if he was still needed, he suggested he was going to go back to class and the cop didn't like it. So choked him out. And 
people jumped on and said, no, you don't you don't disrespect a police officer. You don't do that. He doesn't even look like a 14 year old. He looks like a grown man. He should know better. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. So now yesterday in South Carolina, a 15 year old student is is being belligerent and defiant with her teacher. The teacher asks the girl she's being verbally abusive to her teacher in front of the rest of the class. The teacher asks her to leave. She refuses. The principal asks her to leave. She refuses. They call the police officer, the uh, the campus police officer, who comes into the room. He asks her to get out of the classroom. She refuses to get out of her desk. He pulls her out of her desk. She starts kicking. The desk falls to the floor. She's still in it, so she falls to the floor. He rips her out of the desk, tosses her across the floor, goes after her and handcuffs her. Now he arrests her for resisting arrest. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is this is a child who did the opposite of everything that she was asked to do. But this time, the cop was wrong and should be strung up by his nuts. And mm. And when I talk about it, I get accused of victim blaming. When right. I... Right? Uh, oh, okay, why? Can you explain this to me, Kelly? Because I'm not getting it. <laughs> I think I think society always wants to blame the police officer, regardless of the situation. But not in the case with the 14-year-old boy. In the case with the 14-year-old boy, they were like, he should have known better. You bump into a cop, you're going to get choked out. That was the overwhelming majority response. Mm. But now with the girl, it's it, we vilify the cop. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. We saw 15 seconds of video. Right. We saw nothing about what happened before. And everybody, the overwhelming majority, I'm going to stop using, I'm going to stop using absolute statements. The overwhelming majority is saying his job is to protect and serve. He wasn't protecting her and he wasn't serving her. I'm sorry. His job is to protect and serve the public. He was protecting and serving the teacher that called him, the principal that called him, the other students that may have felt threatened and were losing education because of her behavior. Right. He was protecting and serving. But because it happened to a girl, we won't tolerate it. Because that was a man in a police officer's uniform, man handling a girl, we won't tolerate it. If that was a boy, this dialogue would be completely different. That's true. And that's the problem I have. We are allowing boys to be manhandled and abused. I mean, think about it. If you read a story of physical abuse by a parent, okay, a.k.a. discipline, right? If it's a boy, then... Boys need to be, you know, you need to set them straight. Sometimes they need their asses beat. If it's a girl, oh, hell no. (laughs) Why? (laughs) There was a fight, an all-out brawl, a gang fight at a local school district to where I live, Redding High. Let's call them out, Redding. Way to stay classy. Uh Uh-oh. Right? Three hundred students 
and parents involved in a brawl outside of the school at a city park that was right across that is right across the street from the school initiated and instigated by who girls two girls two girls you know uh, as a girl I'm, i feel that i'm allowed to say this we are so screwing up our girls <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're making them, we're, everything that they do that's disrespectful, rude, brash, bullyish, we call it leadership skills. There's articles out right now that say that if you're, that it's good that you should allow your daughter to talk back to you because that's actually healthy. Are you right. kidding me? It, it gives them de debating skills when they get older. Nix, 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 nix. <laughs> Disagreeing to the <laughs> utmost degree. <sighs> there is a difference between negotiating and, and conversing with your child and allowing them to have an opinion and allowing them to talk back. And if professionals, parenting experts cannot make that distinction... They suck at their jobs. <laughs> I believe the children should have an opinion. I also believe that when I am disciplining you or scolding you for something that you've done blatantly wrong, that is not the time for you to share your opinion with me. <laughs> Kids need to, and, and when I say things like children need to learn to respect authority, in my mind, Parents are authority, teachers are authority, coaches are authority, your, your pastor, your priest, your rabbi, whoever. Those are authority figures in your life, as well as cops. But as soon as I put something out there that says children need to learn how to respect authority, all, everything comes out, oh, you're promoting rape culture, you're promoting a police state. Oh, stop it. What? Exactly. You should see the bullshit that people are putting up. Ugh. It's obscene. Do you know what children crave more than anything? Boundaries. Gui boundaries and guidance. Boundaries and guidance. I'm so new at this. I've never done any of this stuff before as a kid. I need you to tell me where my limits are. You know? Or else I'll, I'll grow up not having any Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, come on, peeps. We need to do better. And when I say that we need to do better by, you know, by everybody, that we need to teach respect and, and the spirit of reciprocity and boundaries and to everyone, to teachers, to police and to students, people jump on me and they're like, are you saying that she deserved that? I'm where, uh, who said that? Who, where, where did you decipher that from? Was it written in code? <laughs> I don't get it. It was written in drama Facebook code. Right. Mm. Oh. It's what they want to believe to start an argument. I love to start arguments. <laughs> arguments rock. People are calling me on my cell phone right now. Oh, stop it. You know what? Call the radio line. Kelly, give them the radio line. Oh, I my. <laughs> I put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's 903-787-5887.
903-787-5887. If you've got something to say, if you think I'm wrong about this, I can take it. I have a thick skin. Tell me. Oh, we only have three minutes? Seriously, Karina? Psh, what am I going to do now? Call right now, people. Yeah, whatever. I'm just saying. But anyhow. And you know what else I don't like? I don't like that the cop lost his job. Oh, he did? I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's not cool either. I think that's absolutely redonkulous. But, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, Mm. on a lighter note. (laughs) Anything was lighter than that. (laughs) I just had to get it out. I had to get it out. I I just had to do it. No, here, on a lighter note, though, seriously, um, something that was really cool that I did this weekend um, and, and this past week, cause you, people probably notice that I haven't been on Facebook as much as normal. Right? right. Um, I have been spending a lot of time, um, with local businesses, exploring my community and, and visiting and, and, uh, patronizing local businesses. Nice. And my kids have learned so much. We went to a local dairy Mm-hmm. We went to and and bought like all kinds of fresh stuff. And my kid pointed out that one thing that children don't do enough of anymore is um, cook with their families. That's so true. You know. And you know what my my fourteen year old son said? He goes, you know what, mom? I I understand the whole thing about women's rights and stuff like that, and I agree with it. But I think when women started getting really offended by that um, a woman's place is in the kitchen, women stopped cooking. <laughs> That's cute. And I'm like, well, maybe we could find a more politically correct way to say that. Like maybe, (laughs) you know, women are gifted at cooking. So that's a gift that they should share more often. (laughs) Right. But then again, my husband is a brilliant cook. But you know what? He learned it from his grandmother being in the Mm. kitchen with his grandmother. So I think we need to get some of those traditions back. And I want to spend November talking about traditions and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, that's, I just wanted to put that out there. So, and now I want to do a shout out to our doc on call 24 seven sponsor because I absolutely love them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think everybody, especially in this cold and flu season, yes. you know, I'm going to want to go sit in a doctor's office. So check out doc on call 24 seven slash parent nation. And, uh, we'll be back from this break to talk to Mark Engelberg about his new game freaking studio which is why tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors homeschooling half questions get your pen and paper ready it's the sociable homeschooler vivian mcninney fridays at five four central on toginet.com after a handsome blue-eyed texan fell in love with vivian at the victoria station in london she found herself at dfw airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Need a doctor but don't have time? Don't want to take your sick child out of the house? Doc on Call gives you access to U.S. board-certified doctors by phone or video conference. 
Avoid illness in waiting rooms. Don't take time off work. Call from the comfort of your own home. Get prescriptions when appropriate. No health restrictions. And the best part? No consultation fee. Don't put off going to the doctor. For only $18 per month, get 24-7 access to doctors for you and your family. Go to DocOnCall247.com slash ParentNation to sign up today. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. I am so excited, and I just can't hide it about my first guest. <laughs> I just love games. I think games mm. are the most amazing thing on the planet. And yes. um, and I think our first guest, Mark Engelberg, has the most amazing job on the planet because he gets to make these games. Um, so he's he's a father of two kids, and he's a stay-at-home dad, which in and of itself is awesome in our book, right, Kelly? Yes, we right? love dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love dads. Um, he also homeschooled his kids. Ooh. So that's that's kind of cool. He was a virtual reality researcher at NASA. Ooh. Whoa, right? That's so cool. And um, so then he transitioned into game development because, obviously... And um, so now he's a puzzle designer and inventor, um, and he's invented all kinds of award-winning logic puzzle toys, which um, Think Fun is a company that I work with, with TK's Toy Box, a lot. And it's because their stuff is so amazingly educational and beneficial and fun for kids, and that's what we need more of. So, hey, Mark, how are you? Hi, Tara. Great to be here. I'm so glad you joined us. I just got my game this morning. It came like early, early bird this morning, and I'm really excited. So oh, great, uh, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. I I know I'm going to, but you know why? Because why? I have a 14 year old with Aspergers. So Minecraft is like Minecraft and computers and coding are my life. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Right, but the truth is, I can't stand any of it. Like me personally, like my kid loves it, but it's not something that I'm going to sit down and help him code or I'm going to sit down and play Minecraft with him. My 16 year old can do that. I can't. But right. This... Yeah. I mean, it, it can be pretty overwhelming if it's not something you're used to. And this might be something you can do with him then. That's the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is actually something I, I coach parents um, with kids with special needs. Right. And this the, Minecraft is one of the biggest struggles that they face because they fight about it all the time. <laughs> and so and I'm always telling them, you know, one of the best things that you can do with your kids is to get in there and play a game with them because so much is learned over a game. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. much communication happens through games. So this is just freaking awesome to me. So here's what I want to know. Like my son, my 14 year old is a brilliant kid and Mm -hmm. he just started ninth grade. And just this year, because he's going to a half day technical school, just this year has learned how to code. 
is learning how to code. So all those years of doing stuff on the computer, all those years of playing video games, coding never came into the picture for him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty common. Uh, Very, very few kids actually really get a chance to be exposed to computer science early on. But I, I mean, I'm a really big believer that we should be getting kids into this as early as possible. You know, some kids will just love it and thrive on it. And that'll be something they want to do every day. And others, maybe that's not their favorite thing to do, but still that exposure is going to be incredibly useful for them in other areas. So you, you personally believe that coding should be part of their core curriculum, right along with math and language arts and science. Yeah. I I mean, I strongly believe that I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but probably the most compelling reason in my mind is that uh, computer science is just starting to intersect with just about every other field. Um, and I, I remember when I went to college and was studying computer science, there was this big focus on sort of teaching computer scientists how to partner up with people from other occupations to kind of help them out in their area of expertise. But these days, that's not really the way. I mean, there's just not enough computer scientists to go around. We need people who understand those concepts in a wide variety of fields because that's where the differences are going to be made. Wow. Um, I I have a friend, actually, uh, from college, Dory Segev. I was just thinking about him yesterday. Uh, He studied computer science at college. He majored in computer science. Then he went off and became uh, a transplant surgeon. That was what he decided he wanted to do. And he and uh, his wife, who's a mathematician, they uh, realized that the whole sort of transplant organ market uh, was operating really inefficiently. And they developed some algorithms that made it possible for more people to get organ donations. And it's, it's, I mean, it has saved tons of lives because he knew how to apply his computer science background to the area of transplant surgery. How amazing is that? And you know, here's the thing. I love that you said that because I don't think that we give that computer science ability enough credit like if a, if a kid chooses another career path, for example, so my son took this coding class. He, he's allowed to take four different shops in this technical school, right, before mm-hmm. he decides on what he wants to do. So the first thing he took was megat- mechatronics. So it was robotics, engineering, that kind of stuff, right? Right. Then he took IT technology where he learned coding. Then the third shop, and see, with each shop, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, right? So he would become, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And then, so with this last shop he's in right now, he's in welding. Well, he's decided that he wants to be a welder. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, do you understand that what daddy does is in engineering, he designs um, systems, automated systems that require engineering and they require the writing of code, but they also require people to build the machines that this stuff goes into. So how awesome could it be for, for my little Alex, if he knew how to code, knew how to write the code to operate the machines that he built? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, my brother actually, uh, did machining for a while and, 
uh, he was telling me that even in the machine shop, the people that were the most sought after, the people who had the advantage, were the ones that knew how to script and, and add some code to the to the CAD, the, the design program they used to model the different parts that they were going to machine. So, yeah, I mean, even it, it's like no matter what you do, if you're the one in that field that knows programming, you've got an edge. I mean, because it just affects everything now. That is so awesome. And what do you say to the parents who say technology has already inundated our kids' lives? They don't need more of it. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, one of the reasons why I designed Codemaster uh, to be kind of a, a board game that you play rather than something you do on the computer is because, you know, as a parent, I can totally relate to not wanting your kids to be on the computer all the time. I, I know every year I go to the pediatrician and the doctor comes in and one of the first questions they ask the kids are, you know, so how much screen time do you get? Because they have some sheet that tells them that kids are supposed to get no more than you know, an hour of screen time a day or something like mm -hmm. that. And, you know, the kid says, well, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at my phone pretty much every minute and yeah. I'm on the computer to do assignments and I'm on the computer to network with my friends. I mean, everything's on the computer and then I'm watching TV or doing, and, and then the, the doctor looks over at me and I'm feeling all guilty, but that's the <laughs> modern age. I mean, what, you know, what do you, what do you expect? You know, so, but as a parent, I really wanted to provide something that kids could do that parents wouldn't have this extra feeling of guilt about, right? It's like something that they can do that is getting their mind prepared for programming and getting them thinking in that way that they'll be able to do this kind of problem solving in whatever field they do. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's not one more screen time that you, thing that you have to battle over with the kids. It's so I love that so much because it is something that our kids understand. I mean, it's I know it's the running joke, you know, if you need to if you need to have your computer uh, fixed or if you need to fix something or do something on your cell phone, give it to a 12 year old, you know, I, and I get that. I know that that's the running joke. But the fact is, the more we <laughs> know, <laughs> the more we know about what our kids are learning and doing and preparing for in the future the better set up we are to support them. And I'm not going to be able to, I, I'm not going to sit yeah, down I, at a computer and learn code. I can't. It's not how I'm, how I operate, but sitting down and playing a board game to learn it. Yeah, that I could do. Right. And, and I think um, that what most parents want for their kids is to develop that, that mindset. Um, you know, there, there is a different kind of problem solving that, you know, computer scientists do a different way of looking at the world. I, I had a professor tell me the other day his his tagline for computer science is he said, you know, if you want to do your taxes, call an accountant. If you want to do a hundred people's taxes, call a computer scientist. You know, because <laughs> it's it's this way of thinking about it where you look at a problem and you're immediately trying to find the recipe, the 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 secret repeatable thing that will let you solve, you know, hundreds or thousands of similar problems. And that's a kind of problem solving that we don't see in other ways. And that's another reason why I think it should be taught just as kind of a general part of schooling, because it's, it's just a fundamental part of the way we do problem solving in the modern age. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I think that a lot of the misdiagnosis that we do is just 
you know, we say, oh, they're on the autism spectrum or they need an IEP. I look at a lot of these kids who are like my son and say, your brain, just like we have auditory learners, visual learners, kinesthetic learners, we have logical learners, we have linear learners, we have mathematical learners, and I think that's where those kids fit in. My kid, my child can do math problems in his head that take most people like, you know, seven lines of script to do, and he's penalized for being able to do it in his head. Yeah. You know, and it's so it is technology is changing the way our children think and problem solve. They've proven that there's studies to prove that there's there's actually studies that have proven that our periphery, our peripheral vision is adapting to allow us to focus on a screen and walk at the same time. Hmm. How amazing is that? Yeah, I don't I mean, know why it, you'd want to do that study, but <laughs> how amazing is that? So, you know, if you're taking something that parents understand, which is board games and all of that stuff, um, and you're applying it to something that your child is masterful at already, your kid's going to enjoy playing the game because they're going to be able to one-up you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In most cases, but they're also able to teach you, and I think that's pretty awesome. Well, I think you are really fortunate that your son is getting exposure at the age he's at. I mean, that's great. I mean, I, I like I said, in my mind, the earlier the better. But I mean, you're there are so many kids out there that even at the high school level, they really don't get a chance to do this. They don't even do it until college, because yeah, we, you know, and colleges can't keep up with the demand, right? I mean, mm-hmm. now now so many people want to take the computer science classes, and there's just they don't have the room. So I think a lot more high schools are starting to focus on the STEM STEM curriculum, which is That's really true. But but you'd be surprised in many states. I mean, computer science is not counted as a science, so they can't do it as part of the STEM requirements for graduation. So if you know, if it's not on the graduation list, uh, I mean, it's really hard to find time in your schedule to take that class. Right. I think that and the first thing that I thought of when you said that it should be part of the curriculum right alongside of math, I think that we need to get rid of the keyboarding because kids still take keyboarding for like two years. (laughs) You know, we need to get rid of the keyboarding and get more into the computer sciences. Sure. Because they have their own, I mean, they have their own methods of keyboarding now, you know, with you, with smartphones and stuff like that. I, Hunt and pack. It, their f- kids are faster at hunt and pack than I was after three years of the the brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. You know, it's <laughs> it, the, it, it's ridiculous. I think it's awesome that your game is labeled for ages eight to adult because how many people are thinking about teaching coding to their eight year old? Yeah, well, hopefully uh, it'll become more and more common. But yeah, this is pretty unusual to have a product targeted at that age. I I think it's great to have more stuff for kids to do this. I think so too. You have, you developed other games too. Yeah, I I have developed several games. Um, I have a good working relationship with ThinkFun specifically. Um, One of my other games with them is a game called Chocolate Fix, which is a logic (laughs) deduction game that's chocolate themed. So, you know, everyone looks at the chocolate candies and they're like, Ooh, that looks really good. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole puzzle game. I, um, 
kind of Sudoku-ish. In the, but the whole idea is that you use these visual clues to kind of figure out how to lay out the chocolate candies in the box. I love that game. I, every time I go, to toy, I go to Toy Fair in New York, I have a toy distributorship, right? So I go to Toy Fair in New York, and every time I go to the Think Fun booth, I go right to that chocolate game, and then I'm like, damn, that's right, it's plastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, they have such amazing games at that company. We had, yeah, there's so many. One of my favorites is Rush Hour. Oh yeah. So I um, am the person who makes all the puzzle cards for all the new editions of Rush Hour. Really? Yeah. I mean, Rush Hour has been around since I was a kid. So it's it's a one of the longest running puzzle games. Uh, and you know, I grew up playing it. So for me, it's it's a huge thrill to be like the current steward of the the Rush Hour puzzle line. You know, I get to make the puzzles that go into the new product, new Rush Hour products. That's really fun for me. I love that. We spend so much time in uh, marbles. That the with the we have the giant wooden version. You know the elite wooden version of Rush Hour. Oh that they yeah, sell. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're hardcore Think Fun fans. You know, oh, awesome. my, yeah. My son is a musical uh, prodigy, and he composed yourself is like his absolute favorite game. So, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're out of time, Mark. I want to thank you so much for first of all being on the show, but second of all, doing what you do because we we so need more of the the scientific minds and the computer minds getting in there and figuring out ways for families to play together. So I really appreciate um, everything that you're doing. So I want to thank you for that. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Dr. Lori Holman about her book, Unlocking Parental Intelligence. So stay tuned. Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. I just saw a story where a teenager from Tennessee was working under his truck when the jack gave way, pinning him under 5,000 pounds of crushing metal. As he struggled to free himself, which was quite a windmill tilt, he suddenly heard a woman's voice talking to him from his back pocket. A windmill tilt means an unwinnable battle. He realized that as he wiggled around trying to escape, he accidentally activated Siri, Apple's virtual assistant that lives on his iPhone. He was able to tell Siri to call 911, and soon help was on the way. He suffered three broken ribs, a bruised kidney, and some burns. But because of Siri, he's going to be all right. What's a word for the answer to a problem? Aquisitum. 
It's Words You Never Heard. I'm Caroline Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I love talking to people about games, Kelly. I know. They're just the best. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I'm kind of... We don't play them as often as we should. I have a whole closet full of them. Do you know what's super funny? Is we um we have a pool table that we're yes. trying to find space for in our house. Yes. And because our our family likes to play pool, billiards, you know, whatever <laughs> it's called where you're from, tennis shoes and pop. Um, <laughs> but uh, we wanna we wanna set up this pool table in the living room, but we're trying to find space for it. And my husband looks at the stack of board games, and he's like, "You know, we could probably get rid of like ninety percent of those. <laughs> we don't play them anymore." And I'm like, "We we can't get rid of them. We have to start playing them. Like right. that's how this works. That's how this <laughs> whole thing works. We have to kind of initiate that. Kind of like we initiated movie night." We have right. to initiate playing games because that's how kids learn to play games. You know, they're not going to walk over and pick up the box and go, hey, let's put down our cell phones and do this instead. You know, you kind of, as the adult, have to initiate that. So anyway, which kind of brings me to our next guest. I'm really excited. Um, her name is Dr. Lori Holman, and I got her book a while ago. Um, unlocking parental intelligence and I've just it's one of those books like I try to read pieces of everything that I'm sent so that I can kind of get a grasp and it's one of those books that even though I don't have to read more of it I want to right <laughs> you know I I don't mean that to sound wrong I really just love the way she lays things out it makes sense and it's getting into the core of um, finding meaning in our children's behaviors so we can find a better way to respond to them. And that's absolutely what I love. So I'm really excited. She is a psychoanalyst. Um, she has clinical training in infant, parent, child, adolescent, and adult psychotherapy, which to me is like mind-blowing. And I love that kind of stuff. So um, I'm really excited to talk to her about her book. So hello, Dr. Holman. How are you? Hi, good morning. I'm fine, thank you. I am so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to meet you. I've read about you. You have? Did I you have. psychoanalyze me? No, I did. But I listened to a discussion that you had about listening and how you went through a pathway so you came to it, and I was very impressed. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Was that, was that when I was talking about my son? Yes, I think so. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. My sons challenge me every day. My clients are easy. It's my kids that challenge me. Of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's that outside approach that, that makes things so much easier and makes us experts, right? Yeah. So you, the, the book that I've been reading, Unlocking Parental Intelligence, I love how you get into the theory behind why our kids do what they do and how we can better respond to them instead of just reacting. Great, great. 
And so, but what, I mean, you've written a lot of books. You've written The Inner World of the Mother and the International Journal of Infant Observation. What inspired you to write this parenting book? Well, after 30 years of work as a psychoanalyst, uh, where parents told me how they benefited from my parenting approach, which was using parental intelligence, though I hadn't coined the term at that time, and I also used that approach with my two sons, I felt I finally had to write it down so that all I learned could reach a more general parent population as well as professionals who work with parents. And I discovered that the circumstances and backgrounds of the mothers and fathers I worked with varied a great deal. They had kids at different ages. They were at different stages of their parenting lives. They had different economic and social backgrounds. But they had something in common. They were all conscientious like yourself, thinking parents who wanted to really understand their kids. This was key. And so I felt they were searching for something, but they didn't have to name it. And that I decided for special kind of intelligence needed for parenting. And I called it parental intelligence. And I coined this term because I believe parenting does require intelligence that can be honed with the right tools and life experience. What's very important is that I believe parents should never be underestimated. There's so much written that gives advice, but I believe the parents have a lot inside themselves. And even when they have themselves, with a clear pathway, they can unlock the parental intelligence that they have inside of them and solve the problems that kids have. And that's really what I want your parents to take away from our conversation today so they know that what they have inside can be pulled out this needs to be organized um yeah the thing that the thing that struck me when i first read it was we uh, there was a period of time about 10 years ago where the focus was on emotional intelligence you know, yeah. it was like this new shishi foo foo terminology, and people were like, all, you know, oh, that's so touchy feely, and, and what merit does it really have in, in real life? And we've evolved so far from, from that mm-hmm. to a point where emotional intelligence is actually something that's valued and measured for jobs, colleges, you know. Yeah. Every level of everything, we, we look at people's emotional intelligence and how to develop it and how to strengthen it and how to hone it. And when I heard the term parental intelligence, I saw it going in a similar path. Yeah. Well, I think the, or I, the main idea is that parental intelligence consists of understanding that there's meaning in your child's behavior. It helps you answer the question, why? Why is my child acting that way, which a parent thinks every day? Mm-hmm. So parents can unlock this parental intelligence by combining what they already know with five steps that I've tried to narrow the thinking process into. So they can turn around what looks like quote-unquote bad behavior into what is really stressing behavior. Because I found in my practice that parents come in and they say, I have such a bad child, and they blame themselves. And when I tell them that if your child speaks or acts in a negative, puzzling way, he's not or she's not a bad child, but a distressed child. So your child hits, has temper tantrums, is a fussy baby, has a disastrously messy room, is moody, is drawn, depressed. 
even other situations, doesn't mean that your child is bad. It means that he's struggling. And as soon as parents see that, their outlook changes. They don't have to blame themselves. They don't have to blame the, their child. Instead, they become what I call meaning makers. Mm. More on what they already know about their child. And I help them put it together in a way that makes understanding possible through the five steps. I love that your first step is the one that for 99% of the people is the most critical of all, and that is stepping back. Yes, yes, I agree. It, it, it sounds easy, but it's actually <laughs> very hard. Um, it means that you don't react immediately. You pause, you abstain from judgment, not only of your child, but of yourself, and sit back and learn how to become an observer. And that's even if your child's having a temper tantrum. Now, clearly, you don't want them to hurt themselves, but you don't have to have this ready, automatic, perfect solution. You're allowed to take your time and think. And, you know, your child observes that in you. You're observing your child, but they're watching you very carefully out of the corner of your eyes. And if they see that you're calm and you're thinking, it has an immediate impact on the child. And they actually start to calm down from wherever they are because they see that you're really trying. And if you're trying, well, they're going to be trying. If you like, what I do in my book is I... Have a, the whole middle section is a set of stories because I really think that parents like kids learn best through storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I thought I might give you the five steps through an abbreviated version of one of the stories so that your listeners can really capture what this is about and not just make it a didactic, me kind of teaching kind of thing. I would love that. Yeah, I think we have about, what, seven minutes? I think you can do that in seven minutes. Okay, I'll try really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to talk about an identical twin called Clive, who was hitting his his brother, Ari, in kindergarten. Clive was considered a really good kid, and the teacher's surprised, the parents are surprised. He always apologizes, but he continues to hit. The teacher takes away painting, his favorite activity, but that doesn't change anything. So the parents and the teacher um, decide that they should try to use parental intelligence. So the parents first have to step back, which means falling down, pausing, taking no action. It's really hard to do when your kid's hitting, but they review the behavior and suspend their judgment. And it does give them permission not to know what to do. So then they move along, and they realize that there's a certain kind of calm. I'm going to focus on the dad just to make it uh, a little more condensed. Dad realizes, just while stepping back, that the hitting started after he's been taking long business trips, and he did wonder if that had anything to do with it. He also realized Clive, his brother, after Dad spent time with with Ari, the other friend, alone, and after a bike ride with Ari, Clive said Ari. After watching TV together, Clive said Ari. And he started putting that together just after stepping back. So already he was becoming more informed. The second step is self-reflecting. So Dad had to think about his feelings, something he absolutely did not usually do. 
And doing that, though, realized that Clive was distant before and after his business trip. And when Dad faced his feelings, he realized that he felt rebuffed and rejected. He'd been away working really hard, and Clive would sort of just wander away when Dad came into the house. Not used to attending to his feelings, he did, however, kind of naturally think back. And he realized that when he grew up, he had six brothers. They were a roughhousing bunch. And Clive was so unlike that that Dad began to feel ashamed that he resented Clive for not being more like the super outgoing type of guy he was. So Dad was now more ready to realize that hitting had meaning. And all he, he had done, nothing. It was all thought and feeling. So the third step is understanding the child's mind. And this is really the crux of the matter. But the question is, how do you do it? So one day... Um, when Clive was supposed to be doing his homework, Dad didn't say anything, but he noticed he was making a picture on the computer. In my book, you can see the picture, but for now it's enough to say that when Dad asked to see the picture, surprised that his son even knew how to do a painting uh, Microsoft thing on the computer, um, Dad says to, to Clive, can I take a, pic a peek at your painting? And Clive shuts the computer down and says, I can't show you. You'll be mad at me. And Dad's surprised, and he says, I don't ever get mad at you, I promise. I won't be mad about a painting. Clive trusts him. He shows him the picture. And the dad says, I see you and me. What am I doing? Can you tell me? Clive says, you're going away for a long time. Okay, says Dad, where am I going? Now Dad is curious and getting worried. Clive jumps on Dad's lap, something he really never does. And he says, well, you're going away because I'm there. My teacher thinks I'm there. Dad feels really close to his son now and says, why does your teacher think you're bad? Because I hit Ari. That's really bad. And you went away, far away. Clive, do you think I went away because you hit Ari? Clive says, no, you went away because I can't read. You like smart boys like Ari who can read. Well, Dad was totally befuddled. But he understood what was on Clive's mind. And he knew he had to clarify very carefully. He said, Clive, I went away to make money for all of them. Not because you don't read. I never go away because I don't like you. I love you. Lots of kids don't read in kindergarten. It's not a race to see who can read first. You're such a great son. So this little boy's convoluted thinking had made him start to hit his brother because he was jealous of him. So he, this fourth step is understanding your child's development, which in, in this situation wasn't too important because Clive really was um, mastering kindergarten quite well. He made friends. He was engaging. So the last step was problem solving. And once Dad knew Clive mixed up conclusions that led him to be jealous of his brother's relationship with his father and his belief that his father was disappointed or even mad at him, there was actually no more talk of hitting. It just stopped. It vanished. The understanding left Clive in a place where hitting just wasn't something he was thinking about. He certainly had never been a bad kid. He was confused and distressed child, but really a great kid. So the father learned that hitting had a good deal of meaning, and he got to the bottom of it. And the bigger underlying problem, which is what usually happens when you use parental intelligence, became apparent, Clive and Dad's relationship. So Dad 
began spending more time with Clive, engaging him with his brother as a team, not a competitor. You know, they did sports together. And he spent more time alone with Clive as they got to know each other. And wow. all the results of parental intelligence. It's, it's really amazing kind of stuff. Hard to say in seven minutes. But well, you did it. That was awesome. And with like 30 seconds to spare, which is completely amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dr. Holman, that was really awesome. And, and I think that, I hope that parents will see through that demonstration that it's not a matter of capitulating to your child's bad behavior. It's a matter of getting in there and understanding why it's happening in the first place so that you can resolve it in a healthy space that re- preserves your relationship with your child and allows them to trust you so that you can teach them better behavior down the road, which is what I love about it. So I hope everybody takes a look at your, your book, and we're going to put your information up on our Facebook page. And everybody else who's listening, I hope that you join us on Facebook on Parent Nation Radio. And until next week, everybody, keep playing. Ask mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it